God, we live and move and have our being in you. That's what your word says. And so, God, even as we sang today, great are you, Lord. Great are you, God. And so, Lord, even for this next few moments, as the word of God begins to live inside of us, and it seems that you're asking us to take this step of faith, some, some of us, uh, a step of faith as a Christian, some, a step of faith, maybe for someone that doesn't even know Jesus. But I pray that they would realize, because you're great, because you're great, you will walk with us on every single step. Your word says, great are you, Lord, but it also says, great is the Lord, and so greatly to be praised. May we always remember that our praise matches your greatness. If you're great, then we want to give you great praise today. So when we get to the end, Lord God, of this day, of this service online, may we begin to declare, great is the Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so happy to have you here at Times Square Church. I want you just to take a few moments with me because I want to walk you on a journey. I want to take you to a new season today that I think is going to begin to challenge us and that we're going to have to know that he is a great God to bring us on a new season. There's one morning that after 39 years, the nation of Israel got up on that morning, looked outside their window and began to realize that when they looked out, nothing was there. That in fact, it was gone. Everything stopped after 39 years. What they were used to seeing every single morning suddenly vanished. In fact, every morning they would get free food for over 14,000 days. And now it stops. It was a new season that was about to start for the children of Israel. In fact, an old rhythm, an old habit was about to be gone and a new season was about to come. In fact, what happens is, is that new seasons really start to disrupt old rhythms. New seasons will disrupt old rhythms. In fact, their miracle food that happened for 39 years, now their miracle menu and their miracle menu was called manna and it was all going to be done. It was a 39-year dependency and God, for some reason, on this day in Joshua chapter 5, says the manna has stopped because it's a new season. Let me read this to you. The Bible says that the day after Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. Unleavened bread and roasted grain. And here are these words. Listen to these three words that disrupted the children of Israel. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of the land. Look at those three words for just a moment. The manna stopped. That's horrific if you're the children of Israel. The, what you have been used to for all of these years has now begun to go away. See, I think there's no better words to describe that have been penned to describe where we are as a church, TSC, and where the church is today then Joshua's words to the children of Israel as they were entering into a new territory and even said these words before they woke up to nothing being outside of their window that morning. It's Joshua 3, 4, when Joshua says and begins to speak to them and says, you've never been this way before. This is a brand new place that God has taken to you. In fact, I would call this new territory. And, and keep this in mind, is that the new territory gives them a new season. And these words, I don't think are just for the children of Israel, but I really think, folks, that these words are for us today, God's church, and even our country, who have never been this way before. See, words of a new season, listen to me, the words new season will both inspire hope, but sometimes they'll even incite fear because we've never been this way before. Because new seasons disrupt old rhythms, I think it's important as we get ready to take new steps into the season in a place that our country has never been, our planet has never been before, the church has never been before, God has disrupted these rhythms to bring us into a brand new season. In fact, the book of Isaiah, I want you to get this, Isaiah gives some new season advice for us today. Listen to these words from the prophet Isaiah. He says, Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. God's speaking now. I'm about to do something brand new. Wow. 
I love those words. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history, but get present and get alert because God is about to do something brand new. See, I believe God will remove what we are accustomed to to prepare us for something greater. I think God will do that interruption, remove what we have been accustomed to for 14,000 days like the children of Israel to prepare us for something even greater. Let me speak to us as a church. Think, I mean, not only us, but even the church. See, think of this. Times Square Church, after 33 years of hearing a sermon from a stage in New York City, all of a sudden, it comes to a screeching halt. Think of that for just a moment. You ready for this Times Square Church? For 12,000 days, 12,000 days, you have had the, the opportunity with our founder, Pastor David Wilkerson, then Pastor Carter Conlin, for 12,000 days, that's 33 years, to expect something to happen on a Friday night, a Tuesday night, a Sunday night, a Sunday morning. And then all of a sudden, like the children of Israel, the manna stopped. That we come to a screeching halt in March 2020, and now all of a sudden, the Sunday services are over. This is incredible because there's so much here for us to learn in this brand new season. See, new seasons disrupt old rhythms because new seasons, get this, get this need new people to go into it. New, new seasons will disrupt old ry rhythms because God goes in new seasons, I need new people. Because what he was saying, here it is, this next season, he was telling the children of Israel, doesn't simply need consumers for miracle food, but I need fighters to take the land. I don't want you to be a consumer. I want you to be a fighter. There's a new role that he was telling that's happening. Think of this. Sunday live services have ceased for now as we know it for these past 15 weeks. Some of you have been distraught going, when are we getting into the building? When do we get into the building? And then you're finding out there's spikes even around the country of, of COVID-19 and, and things happening um, all over this country that churches have opened and now they're closed. I've, I know people personally opened their churches and are now closing them. And just as the Israelites, this is important, are asking this question, how do we go from sand to soil? Because they ate the produce of the ground. How do we go from sand, living on the sand, waiting for miracle food, now we're going to soil? See, those Israelites are thinking, I don't know how to farm. And now you're putting us in a new season, new territory, a new, a new pattern, a new rhythm. See, what he was saying was the gatherers are going to have to learn to be reapers. The gatherers are going to have to learn to reap from the land, not just gather miracle food that comes from, happen, from, from, from heaven. See, I think for us, both Times Square Church and God's church around the world, we have a sand to soil moment a sand to soil moment. How do we go, think of this, from a stage to a screen, a stage to a, to a smartphone, a stage to an iPad? Because this is real. And it seems that God has seemed to remove what we've been used to for 12,000 days, like he did for the children of Israel. It, it is as if the church is getting a new job going into 2020. That's the way I see it. The church is getting a brand new job. God is telling us that there's a new way. Don't miss this. God is telling us there's a new way to reap the harvest. Or as Pastor Carter Conlon says, our Times Square Church overseer, he says it like this, that just maybe the net to win the souls is the internet. I love that. The net may actually be the internet. That instead of us beginning to, 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 to grumble against this, God may be showing us that the net is really the internet. See, if our main goal is to gather people in a building here on 51st and Broadway, then doing nothing and waiting till the CDC and our mayor and our governor um, and, and, and the government tell us when we can open up the doors, then what, I, I think what's, what's pretty dangerous about that, it seems like people that are just waiting for the doors to be open, it's kind of like people just looking out the window after 14,000 days waiting for manna to come that just doesn't come when they expect it to come. But that's not our mission. That's not the church's mission. That's not the body of Christ's mission. Times Square Church and, and God's body's chief goal and mission is to reach people with the gospel. And just like that new season for the children of Israel in Joshua, he may be saying to them, you need to learn a new trade. 
You need to begin to get a new job. You may need to begin to understand that stepping into this new season, I've disrupted the old rhythms to bring new people into a brand new season. And I want you to get ready, not to simply be gatherers, but to be fighters because where I'm about to take you. And that's why, keep this in mind, in the kingdom, this is important, when it's time to move, sometimes it's also time to remove. When it's time for God to move his people forward, he may be going, I have to remove something. See, the problem comes then is when God starts removing stuff, keep, keep this in mind, it's the stuff usually that we want, we think we need, or we feel is indispensable. God, God reminded us thousands of years ago that he doesn't live in buildings. And that's why he can meet you right in your home today. If you're watching in a kitchen, he can meet you in your kitchen. He says, you, can't, you cannot confine me. He tells that to David and to Solomon that started to build this beautiful masterpiece of a building called the temple. And God goes, build it, but just understand, I don't dwell there. In fact, where I dwell, the heavens can't even contain me. That's why we can't hold on to old rhythms when God is bringing new seasons. As Holocaust survivor Corey Temboon, the great, the great Christian uh, woman, said it like this. She said, I've learned to hold everything loosely. That way it doesn't hurt when God takes them from me. Wow. I, I, I think it's taken me a while to do that. But boy, I, I've held on to many old rhythms that God goes, don't hold too tight. Because those are the moments that I'm going to have to pry your fingers off. You know, one of the most universally recognized pieces of music is what's called the Fifth Symphony. It's, it's, it's the, the song, you, you, know, you know how the beginning goes, the Fifth Symphony. It's da-da-da-da, you know that. It's Beethoven. It's, it's what's, who's considered the greatest classical composer, Beethoven, by, uh, around the world, everyone sees him. I've had the privilege of visiting his home in, in Germany and to see this man that loved God and to see what happened um, and, and how his life began to glorify God as he was writing these symphonies, even from a gift that God began to give him. But what some people don't know is that of his nine symphonies that have enraptured the world, especially number nine. We know number five, but it was number nine that enraptured the world. God wanted to take Beethoven into a brand new season. And remember, when it's time to move into symphony six, seven, eight, nine, it may be time to remove. Here's what's amazing, is in for, for God to do that, what was he removing? Beethoven started becoming deaf in his 20s. This is a musician. This is a composer. This is considered one of the greatest writers of music in history. Beethoven is going deaf in his 20s. In fact, they tell us, they tell us that when deafness was setting in, he would actually cut the legs off the piano and get it low to the ground and play with his ear on the ground to hear the vibrations because when he's losing, when there's massive hearing loss on Beethoven, that he wanted just to hear the vibrations. Beethoven finally found the strength he needed to go on despite this great loss. And to everyone's amazement, he wrote the grandest music, the symphony six, seven, eight, nine, when the, when the deafness was setting in tremendously, his deafness became a great asset because something deeper was coming out. At age 34, he writes the fifth symphony and he writes nine symphonies, but five through nine while going deaf. But at age 56, being completely deaf, Beethoven writes the ninth symphony and his famous music, Ode to Joy, comes out of complete deafness. The, the removal of hearing starts a new season. In fact, it almost seems like to produce this music, God was going, it's not going to be what you hear with natural ear, but it's going to be something that comes from the depth, the depths of your soul. There are, I think there are times that God removes something to heighten other places that we're looking to see God like we've never seen him before. See, Beethoven believed and loved God and, and knew the music was a gift from God. In fact, when you read his journals and you read um, even, even what he was written about him, he is always giving glory to God. 
always realizing that God has given him this gift. That when God, re- when God wanted to move him into some, some of the greatest music, he had to remove something. But he didn't hold on to it like, like, like Corey Temboon said. God didn't have to pry his fingers over it. One of my favorite preachers from the 19th century is a man named William Sangster. And he told this story in his biography of going to see a young teen, teenage girl in his church who was in the hospital. And Sangster visited a young girl in the hospital and she was about to go blind. I want to read to you the conversation, this simple conversation he had. Listen to these words that Dr. Sangster said. He said, God, see the girl said, God is going to take away my sight away. And Sangster says, don't let him take it, Jesse. Listen to this. Instead, give it to him. Hallelujah. In fact, think of this prayer. He says, try to pray this prayer, Jesse. Father, if for any reason I must lose my sight, help me to give it to you. That means in order to move, God may remove, but we don't, he has this at the it from us. We say, God, we give it to you. I don't, I want to live a life that God doesn't have to take anything from me, but I freely give it to him. Times Square Church, body of Christ, pastors, leaders around the country and around the world. Listen to me. I believe this is our new season. I believe this is the ninth symphony. It's our ode to joy that though God has removed the stage and has removed an audience, he has not gone anywhere. God is here. God says, I may remove something, but I'm moving you into a brand new season. There are battles to fight. You, there are things that God is about to do. And every time And this is what's challenging because every time you think 2020 is about to get easier, it just seems to get more complicated by the week. Even here in New York City, we're going, okay, God, what are you doing? Broadway's shutting down for the fall. Uh, Carnegie Hall is shutting down and canceling all of their shows. God, what are you doing? And all we have to realize is though everything else is shutting down, the church has not shut down. One of my favorite things I saw, um, someone mentioned that they saw on the internet, there was a picture on social media recently of a church serving during the COVID-19 crisis at its height, and everyone was wearing the t-shirt that simply said, the church has left the building. I like that. Because that's really what's happening today. God goes, don't get stuck here. I don't live inside of a building, and I don't want you to also. It's a new season that God is bringing his church through. And, And keep this in mind. He'll bring us there, kicking and screaming, but he's going to take us there because new seasons disrupt old rhythms. But always remember this, a new season, as we're going forward, will bring, jot these three things down. New season brings changes. A new season brings challenges, but I've watched a new season expose champions and bring them to the forefront that that God has gifted a new season brings changes. That's what's happening. That's what we're affecting. That's what we're, we're seeing. A new season brings challenges because the doors may be shut, but the church has just simply left the building. And a new season exposes champions. See, I think in any given moment of a new season, we have two options. It's either to step forward into growth or to step backward into safety. And I think it's the challenge we're facing today. Pastor Tim, how do we take that step how do, we, how do we move forward? I, lo- I love what Dr. King said. He said this. He says, in order to move forward, sometimes you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the first step. That's what he's asking us to do as a church. Just take the first step in this brand new season that we, we, we've, we've been in. Well, Pastor Tim, what do, you, what do you mean by new season? What, what, what is it that... Here's, here's the big picture view. What is a new season? I, I think it's when God starts shifting focus and priorities that some things will start to get moved around so certain things can be put in their proper priority order. See, we are in a new season as a church and as the church, and and I'm both hopeful and I'm both scared going, God, I don't see the whole staircase, but it doesn't stop me from taking the first step. See, a new season is a God-appointed moment of our life that may, it could be for weeks. That's what many thought for, for for the virus. Could be months, which no one anticipated, and even years, but it's years of refining and get this, redefining what is important and what is eternal. This is a moment that God's redefining for his church and showing us the things that he's been wanting to show us. See, the key sometimes to navigating through a new season is understanding how you'll feel. You'll feel inadequate. You'll feel unprepared. In fact, during new seasons, you'll have more questions than you will answers. That, I want to just say to you, join, join the club, which I'm the president of. I have more questions than answers. I feel unprepared 
and I also feel inadequate. It's in that new season, God becomes your go-to because no one has been down that, new, that road before. See, new seasons have a heart cry. It's a silent cry from the heart that just simply says, I can't do this, God. I need you. That's why I believe the purpose of a new season is to drive us to God. I, I, I believe God in these new seasons, it's learning, think about this, it's learning how to pray, not get more counseling. It's learning from the great counselor during these seasons. We, we can learn about this new season. And I, want, I want to just take you because I think this is important. I want to take you because I think we can learn about this new season by studying the book of Joshua and how the children of Israel entered their new season the day that the manna stopped. In fact, the book of Joshua is really a new season book. And I think we can extract things that are going to help us walking through these challenging moments that we're going through even as a country, as a church, as a nation. And so here, here's what you see. The, the book of Joshua, new season book, think of this for a moment. New leadership takes place. There's no longer Moses, but it's Joshua. A new body of water needs to be crossed. It's not the Red Sea, but it's the Jordan. We have a new location that we've got to navigate. It's no longer a desert, but it's Canaan, the promised land. It's, we have to have a new posture. We're no longer wanderers, but now we're going to have to become warriors and fighters. And what we talked about, manna stopped, it's a new diet. It's, it's more than changing their menu. It's God about to change them because he's changing the menu. I, I think this, and I want to I just break this down for the next few moments before we close. New seasons have, I think, both removal, but it also has replacement. So when God removes, he's also going to replace. What does he replace it with? He, there's a replacement with new depth, new dependency, and a new discovery. As I read the story of Joshua, as I read through these chapters, I think there's a new depth that comes to the people of God. There's a new dependency and a new discovery. I think that happens to us. I think that's exactly what God is doing for all of us here. Even at the church, I think he's doing that for his church around the world. There is that new depth. There is the new dependency and a new discovery. Let me, let me just break those open for just a second as we, as we kind of take that step. We don't see the staircase, but we can take the first step. Remember, when God is removing something, it's because he's moving us to a certain place. Let me give you the first one. I think, I think this new season is going to have a new discovery. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? You're going to see more of God in things than you ever had before. You're going to see God in places and God in things that you never noticed him. Maybe that's better to say like that, that you never noticed him in. The great, the great writer G.K. Chesterton said it like this. This is powerful. The things we see every day are the things we never see at all. The things that we see every single day are the things that we never see at all. In fact, someone once said, we would appreciate sunsets more if we, really, if we had to pay for them. Because we see miracles around us every single day. And sometimes we get so stuck or even forget the miracle that God is doing even all around us. That when, God's, when the manna stopped that day, God was going, I'm going to have you notice that I'm part of a lot of other things than what you see out your window every single morning. Think of this. That manna means that, think, that, means that they ate food that came down from heaven. And now God says, you're going to eat food that's coming up from the ground. The, the, the food that came down from heaven, follow me now. God was telling them, you're going, to see, you're going to see differently, the food that came down from heaven, and now your food is going to come up from the ground. Ready for this? Both types of food are from God. It wasn't that now there was a miracle, now it's not a miracle. Anymore. God goes, you just didn't see me in the ground. You didn't see me in the produce. You didn't see me that I had to send rain and bring the sun up, that I had to keep, 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 keep elements away from it so the, so the ground can produce fruit. Do you understand that both types of food are from God? But we forget sometimes to see God in everything. Food from heaven, you didn't have to do anything. Food from the ground, he says, now you have a responsibility to be part of its growth. And both are from God. See, when you see the same thing every single day for 39 years, you can easily forget that God does this every day in so many different ways for us. Or as one pastor said, get this, you can't be grateful for something you feel entitled to. Oh God, forgive me. 
for not being grateful, of seeing you all over the place every single day. I don't want to just see God inside of a building. I'm grateful for what God has done through David Wilkerson and Carter Conlon. But can I just tell you, this building is not simply the miracle. God is working miracles every single day. Every morning, the children of Israel woke up to a miracle, but now they need to wake up and work. Oh my goodness. And, and start noticing God working in other places. God wants us to see him throughout the day in places, not just from the sky, but also on the ground because God is always working for us. I mean, we don't thank God. Let me speak for me. I don't thank God for what is happening every single day that, 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 that I walk, that I wake up. Do you know that what's happening right now with almost 7 billion people on the planet right now as we're watching and, and listening and writing down notes today and preaching and singing today. Right now, miracles are happening with almost 7 billion people. Can I, I want to read this to you. Listen, you want to hear about a miracle? Listen to this. Physicists tell us that if you want to make a man, you need 58 pounds of oxygen, 50 quarts of water, two ounces of salt, three pounds of calcium, 24 pounds of carbon, chlorine, fat, sulfur, iron, phosphorus, glycerin. That's what physicists tell you you need to make a man. Man telling us how to make a man. And here's what's crazy. God did it with a handful of dirt and just breathing upon it. When he did that, listen to me, he made you with eyes that have 100 million receptors and ears with 24,000 fibers, so finely tuned and vibrating that you can hear the loudest sound and the smallest whisper. You are sitting here right now in your home in a body that has 500 muscles, 200 bones, seven miles of nerve fibers, all synchronized so that there is agility of movement in your chest with a heart that has 36 million times, beats 36 million times pumping 60,000 gallons of blood through 600 thousand miles of vessels, veins, and arteries. We, you are breathing with lungs that have 600 million pockets of folded flesh, so designed that when you breathe out, you're expunging gases and waste out of your body. Through your veins and arteries flows five quarts of blood, 22 trillion blood cells. Within each cell, there are millions of molecules. Within each molecule, there are atoms that are oscillating at 10 million times a second. And every second, two millions of those guys will die and be replaced. You are literally a walking resurrection, a walking miracle. And if you need, folks, if you need a reason to put your faith in God, Ladies, men, pull out a little mirror, look at yourself, and realize I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle. How, how does that happen? God breathes into dirt. Quit, quit letting the devil defeat you. God, God literally is on your side and created you to be a miracle. Discover him in breathing. Discover him in walking and hearing and in your eyesight. Evolution, evolutionists will tell you that this is all by chance. That's like, that's like saying the Webster Dictionary was the consequence of an explosion in a printing plant to believe that. Nonsense. We serve a great God. Man, just to have a, this new season of noticing him. When was the last time you thanked God for the ability to walk, to see, to hear, to even breathe? And we like seeing miracle manna every day. We like seeing and asking for a miracle every day. Listen, every day's a miracle. Every day I get up, I put my feet on the ground. It's a miracle. Every time I breathe, it's a miracle. When I see, when I can look into a camera and my voice begins to speak, it's a miracle. God is saying, is giving you new things to appreciate. The God who, spent, who spends, who sends bread from heaven and the God who gives food from the earth. It's still a miracle. Don't ever discount whether the food comes up or the food comes down. It's still a miracle from God. And you're a living, breathing miracle today. <laughs> An atheist asked a Christian one time, where is God? And the response was, let me ask you, where is God not? He's everywhere. He's working miracles in all of our lives. It's seeing God. The new discovery is seeing God in places you never saw him before. That's what he was trying to tell the children of Israel. That's exactly what happened. 
to Agnes Boyajou, this, this, this woman on a train ride began to see things that she's never saw them before. We, we know Agnes Boyajou. The world called her Mother Teresa. She discovered Jesus in the most distressing disguises in the sick and poverty and the dying of Calcutta, India. She saw God in places that she never saw him before and people didn't see him before. In fact, she said it like this. She said, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. That's, that's, that's seeing God like you've never seen him before. That's why Mother Teresa could say, I have an opportunity to be with Jesus 24 hours a day, whether in the chapel or the slums, a pew or a hospital. And she saw God like she's never seen him before. God was in the manna, but God was also in the crop. The manna stopped. Why? For a new season. So we can see God in more things. The church services in a building, sitting in a red chair, stopped. But God hasn't stopped. It's just so he's not confined. In fact, Thomas Watson, the great Puritan writer, said it like this. Though heaven be God's palace, yet it's not his prison. God's center is everywhere. I love this. His circumference is nowhere. That's how big your God is. New discovery. Let me see you in my name. Let me see you working miracles. Let me see you like I've never seen you before. Secondly, it's a new depth that he brings in a new season. You see gains where others see loss. They just lost manna off their menu and probably all these people are going, this is a huge loss. It's, it's like listening to, to people who think if I get married or have a children, I lose my freedom. I lose my singleness. I have four kids. I lose my finances. I'm losing my time. I'm losing my friends. And they see Anything, anything in those areas, they see it as a loss and forget the gain that comes in an incredible marriage, the gain that comes in raising up children, the gains that come through that. They define things at what, as what I lost. I lost manna. I've, I've lost something that I was used to. It, God just disrupted the old rhythms. Beethoven gave, gained five more symphonies from the depth of his soul at the loss of his hearing. When Beethoven lost his manna, his hearing, God gave gain in his loss. What about for the children of Israel? The manna stopped, new season, which means there has to be a new depth that God wants to bring. They lost manna, but now we're gaining produce from the land. We're gaining, we're gaining even if you think about it, even variety that we've never had before. We're gaining work ethic. We're gaining an agricultural skill we never had. We're gaining new disciplines of waking up early. We're gaining, um, a, a gaining gratefulness, gratitude for our health to farm and land. We're gaining a life of prayer, asking God to, 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 to bring the crop and to, and to give us the right weather for this. We're gaining something even with God. See, what God removes, God replaces, but God replaces even better. What God removes, God replaces even better. And in this one, not only just was it going to begin to be a new discovery, but it was going to be a new depth. He was going to begin to teach them about this loss. Let me, let me explain two, two, two quick thoughts. Think of this. Because this is, this, when you think New Testament of what God goes, don't define this as a loss because the gain is, 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 is a magnitude to the gain that's happening here. Think about this. When we lose, especially with our country and what some of you are going through, Pastor Patrick began to pray um, for a unity amongst all, all the different diversity that we have in the body of Christ and praying for unity and even centering that around communion. And when what we're going through, the disruptions that we're facing, health and even race-wise in our country, injustice that's beginning to take place, we lose, we seem to have lost the good times or the Profit, profitable times, the, the with things being shut. But as we enter into times of suffering or tough times, and 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 let's understand, when you walk with God, you will enter into suffering. You will enter into some some tough times. But here's the part I want you to get: you're going, what what did I lose? I lost, I lost 
peace. I lost rhythm. I lost um, maybe what I think was happiness. I lost those things. Why do we go through that? What's the loss, but what's the gain? You ready? I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to these words. From the Living Bible, it says it like this. What a wonderful God we have. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us. Here's what we're going through as a country, as an individual, as a church, in our hardships, some versions say afflictions, and our trials. Now get ready for verse four. And why does he do this? Here comes the gains. So when others are troubled, going through their hardships and their difficult times, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given to us. Hallelujah. What, what did you lose? Listen, you, I lost peace. I lost quiet. I lost, I lost, um, I possibly lost my job. I may have lost my health for some weeks or even some months. What did you gain? I gained a new way to minister to those who are going through difficult times. I gained a ministry tool that I never would have had if something didn't, if something wasn't stopped or ceased in my life. There was gain in the loss. Glory to God. That's, that's what happens. It's a, it's a new depth that you're not seeing that when I lose, it, it, it's, it's devastating. No, no, no. As a child of God, when there's loss, always remember, when God removes, it's because he's moving us. Listen to how the Apostle Paul spoke about his gain in his loss. This is how it goes. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But Christ has shown me that what I once thought I was valuable and is worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I've given up everything else and counted all, this version says, as garbage, rubbish. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. That he, that's, that's the gain. But what, what, where, what was he losing? That was verses one through six before you can get over here to verse seven. What were the, what's one through six? Pastor Tim in Philippians chapter three. It was this huge list of religious credentials that anyone at that time would have wanted on their resume. And those credentials, listen, gave Paul a relationship with the religious elite. His credentials gave him a religion called the Pharisees. His, his credentials, I was born a Jew, I was born a Benjamite. I've kept the law. Man, I, I hunted down Christians because that made everybody. He had this whole credential list. And here's what's amazing. Paul's new season says, in my new season, I lost, I lost all my religious friends. I lost my place on the Sanhedrin. I lost me being seen as the Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, I lost the relationships, watch this, with my boys, but I found a greater relationship. I, I lost religion, get this, but I got a relationship, not just a relationship, the relationship with a king, and his name is Jesus. Everything else is garbage. But in this new season, if there's loss, I know there's massive gain because I'm a child of God. Finding Jesus made everything look like garbage to Paul. There's depth when people see gains in loss. The manna stopped. That's a loss. What are the gains? God is about to take down Jericho, the largest city in all of Canaan. God goes, I've got to teach you how to depend upon me in a whole bunch of other ways. See, Christianity, listen, is loss and it's gain. Pastor Tim, what do you lose? I get to lose guilt. I get to lose hell. I get to lose my sin, my sin judgment. I get to lose religion. What do I gain? Salvation, forgiveness, relationship with Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and eternity in heaven. Give me those gains. That's what I want. If all you see is being a Christian is losing Sundays, you missed it big time. My goodness. I have to give my Sundays to God? No, 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 no. The, the, the gains, I count everything else as, as garbage, as, rush, as rubbish. Let me, let me explain the gain and close with this. And then we're, I want to pray for you. Um, I had to get an old person shot a few months ago. Old person shot. But Pastor Tim, what, what's the old person? I had to get a shingles shot. Um, 
My doctor said, hey, we don't want you to go through the pain. There's some people. And as you get older, that's me, you got to get an old person shot. Where I got it, where I got the shot was, was amazing. You ready? I didn't go to a doctor. I didn't go to a clinic. I didn't go to a walk-up clinic. I got it in Costco. I got a shingle shot in Costco. You know Costco. It has everything. You can walk in and you can buy a barbecue and a couch. You can buy a pair of pants and a vat of peanut butter. Um, I'm so thankful for stores that I can do everything there and then have to go to a whole bunch of places to take care of this stuff. My tar- my, if my car needs a tune-up and tires, I can get that. And I can, also, I can also buy toothpaste and get an iPad and also buy cases of water and jelly. I can get it all there. Um, I grew up at a time here in New York that if you wanted to buy something of those things, every shop had its own place. Every shop had its own unique uh, provision. So if you wanted flowers, you couldn't go to Costco. You had to go to a florist. And if you wanted tools, no Costco, hardware store. Some of you don't even know what that is. If you wanted food, you go to the grocery store. If you wanted tires, you go to the tire store. If you wanted a bike, you go to the bike store. And if you needed a shingle shot, you go to the doctor. That's just what you did. You had, so if I needed those seven things on a list, it was seven different places that you had to get into your car and go. Let me tell you what happened to me a few months ago before the buildings, our churches shut down was talking to some people in a lobby of a church and it was just a barrage of difficulty, those hardships that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, this is what I heard. It, it, just, it came like a wave and it was, uh, pray for me, I'm unemployed. Um, I just found out I have breast cancer. Um, my daughter is lost. She hasn't been home. I don't even know if she's alive. I'm, I'm depressed. My marriage is messed up. I'm addicted. My finances are so bad. I'm about to lose my house. It, it came like six, seven people, one after the other. It just, I heard trial after trial after trial. I want, I want you to listen to this, this, because this may be a new season for some of you. If our God, when I grew up was a seventies God, you'd have to go to a different religion and denomination that focuses in on each one of those things that specializes in children or specializes in safety or specializes in healing or specializes in freedom. I'm going to go to this religion to get provision and this religion to get freedom and this religion to get, to get my daughter back. But can I tell you today, God, God is not like that. God, God is Costco. God, God has it all for us. When you get him, you got everything you need. That's what makes him amazing. You know what I was able to tell that cancer woman? Let me take you to God. You know what I told that, that, those, the, that couple that said, we don't know where our daughter is? Let me tell you a God that specializes in prodigals. I, I don't know what to do with my job. Let me tell you a God that can take fishes and loaves and multiply them when nobody else can do it. Let me tell you what God can do for those that need provision, that need God to show up. Here's the joy today. God does it all. He does it all. You don't have to go to all different places. You just have to come to Jesus today. And when you come, listen, this may be a new season for you. Pastor Tim, I'm a little afraid. You don't have to see the whole staircase, just the first step. What's the first step, Pastor Tim? It's what Jesus said. Jesus calls it being born again. It's, it's, it's a new season. It's a new step. It's a, it's a step going, I, I, I'm afraid. Let, let, let me tell you. This is, this is God going, I'm not, I'm not here to give you religion. It's a relationship. Uh, what, what if I lose my family? My family's Muslim. My family's Jewish. My family is this. My family is that. Hey, there may be loss. There may be loss of even peace or, 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 or even uh, possibly house. You may be around the world and go, I live in an area that if I was to accept Jesus, if I was to walk with Jesus, I could even lose my life. Good news. The gains are so much better than the loss. The gains are there for you. Hallelujah. The gains are too much. What if, what if I lose my life? You gain eternal life. 
Pastor Tim, what do I need to do? What is it to be born again? See, those are Jesus's words. Jesus said, I'm not, I didn't come 2,000 years ago to give you a religion. I didn't come to ask for Sundays. I've come to change your life. And Jesus uses the phrase in John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, that no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless, Jesus' words, unless they're born again. Born again. He's saying, just as you had a first birth in a hospital, you need a second birth that happens on the inside. It's only what God can do, what God can give to you, what God does inside of you. Jesus said, unless you're born again, that second birth, that no man can see the kingdom of heaven. This is where you start the relationship with God. Pastor Tim, how, how, how does that happen? How can I become born again? It's as simple as A, B, C. Each one of those letters, because that's what we use for children when you're learning something brand new. And for some of you, they're watching around the world. You may be watching from Mongolia. You could be watching from the Philippines, from the Caribbean. You may be watching down in Mexico or Colombia, where you have so generously and faithfully given that we were able to, through child cry, because of your generosity, do something for special need kids in the mountains of Colombia that thought they were forgotten. And, and like the lady said that Pastor David told us, like the woman said, I didn't know the church was still doing this. Hey, the church has left the building, but the church is still the church because God is still God. So keep this in mind. A, admitting I'm a sinner. Admitting that in every one of us, starting with me, we have a brokenness. We have a condition and it's called sin. And there's not a promise you can make that fixes it. There's not a program you can go to that will fix it. There's not a prescription you can take that will fix it. It's a supernatural problem that needs a supernatural God. Only God can fix it. It's not, it's not as one pastor said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. It's admitting we're sinners, that we're broken, that it has to be fixed. Then B, believing that that's why God sent his son 2,000 years ago. It'd be foolish to think that we can get ourselves to heaven on our own. Then why would God have to send his son? But he sent his son to die for me, to die on the cross. Somebody had to be responsible for my sin because we've sinned against God. Somebody had to be responsible. And God loved us so much that he said, I will take their penalty for them and give them the opportunity to simply believe in me that they can be set free today. Think of that for just a moment. What he was telling us was this, that Jesus lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we should have died, and gave us the reward we didn't deserve called heaven. And today, our lives can be absolutely changed because I can't fix myself. I can't get myself to heaven. But God sent his son to change me from the inside out. That's a new season. And finally, see, confessing him as Lord, saying you're in charge now. Many people see the law says, I lose my Sundays. That's not what it is. Mm -mm. It is. It is literally when you say he's the boss, you're going, God, you don't get Sundays. You get every day. That's what a relationship is. And that's where God is going. Let me be Lord. Let me be in charge. Give me veto rights. I know how life works. And this, at this moment, Every one of us, are, there's people that are trying to be good enough to get to heaven. Then Jesus would never have to come and die on the cross. What he's saying was, let me be in charge. He's not going to give you a religion. He's going to give you a relationship. Jesus didn't die 2,000 years ago to get you to sit in a church. Jesus died 2,000 years ago to come in your life, change you. And no matter what you walk through, he will give you the power to walk through that. The gains are amazing. And today, this could be a new season for you. Pastor Tim, how, how, how does that happen? I want to pray a prayer for you. I want to pray a born-again prayer. You may be watching right now and going like, I, I want to start that new season. I want that new season. For the church, for those from Times Square Church, for, for those from the church around the world, this is our new season. He's asking us not to be simply reapers, but I mean, not to be simply gatherers, but reapers, to find a new way to fight. And like Pastor Carter told us, maybe the net is the internet. And what God is doing and that new season, an encouragement going, okay, we don't see the whole staircase, but let's walk forward. Let's continue to take the first step. And maybe for some of you that are never been born again, because that's the most important question I can ask you today. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Not have you been good? Not have you been religious? Not what your parents have done? Not have you been to church? Not have you been baptized? Have you been born again? 
Pastor Tim, I want to be born again today. I want to take that first step, but I'm not perfect. You don't have to be. Perfect people don't go to heaven, starting with me. Forgiven people go to heaven and start the journey. And today, like that, you could be forgiven and start a relationship with Jesus. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? I want to pray a born again prayer with you. New season prayer. If that's you and you go, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, I want to be part of that. I want you to pray it with me. Wherever you're at right now, you may be outside, you may be inside on an iPhone or, or on your TV. You shared a screen on your big TV. Maybe as a whole family, you're going, let's pray this. Let's start this journey together. Let's start this journey, this new season in our home together, our home together. Maybe it's a husband and wife going, wow, I didn't know that God would change us. He will change. He's changed all of us. He can change you. Well, Pastor Tim, how does, how does that happen? I want you to pray this prayer with me, wherever you're at. I'm going to repeat. It's it's not a magic prayer, but it just has to come from your heart saying, I want you in my life, Jesus. I I want you to, whether you close your eyes or whether you are watching me, I want you to say these words out loud. And then when we say amen, listen close now. Don't click off the the webcast. Don't click, click click off this live webcast. Because as soon as we say amen, Pastor David is going to come and say what a next step is for you. So don't just quickly, just quick. When we say amen, I'm going to tell you, for all those that are going to say amen with us, you're going to have a place that you're going to know to text in that you just made the greatest decision. You're going to text in the word decided. But if that's you and you go, Pastor Tim, I want to take that. I want to take the first step today. Would you pray these words with me? Come on, let's just say wherever you're at today, say these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin my shame and my guilt and you die for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is my home in Jesus name. Amen.